Jeff. Yeah, buddy. Hey, it feels pretty... Well, you laughed when he said... Oh, let me try that again and get a clean take without Garrett, like, gagging. No, this is like, the first time you've thrown it to Jeff and not me at the beginning of an episode. I'm, I'm very excited. Are you jealous? You're very excited about that? Yeah, because I, well, I, I have no idea where it. we're usually going with this. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Yeah, buddy. It feels pretty great having a history buff on the uh, on the podcast with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. You talking yeah. about yourself? I'm talking about Gare. Huh? Gare's, Gare's, guy. Gare's a big history buff. Big like, history we, guy. We, we were playing this game here, and we sort of got onto the topic of the uh, the history of, or the phrase, the big cheese came from. Oh, he told us a great story. Yeah. Garrett Garrett really has this on lockdown. He's got this theory about the uh, the origins of this phrase. The, uh, the big cheese. Why don't you tell yeah, our nice you people should tell at home, us, Garrett? You should tell us it again. It was great. You told it really well the first time. Well, there's a uh, there's this ancient mob boss, and he uh, had been bringing in, uh, back in America, back in the 80s, he had been bringing in um, ninjas to kind of corrupt the police force. And he... This is a Japanese mob boss? Japanese mob boss. He had been bringing in ninjas to corrupt the police force. And there was this Mm. one great samurai cop that was going around trying to trying to save the police force. And he had a Mm. he had had a buddy named. Is this the guy that got sent back in time to fight a coup? No, 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 no. Oh, different samurai cop. Yeah, different samurai cop. Um (laughs) he uh but the, the the ancient mob boss, he really liked Big Macs. And he was like, you guys can call me the Big Mac with cheese. That got to be a little too wordy, so they eventually just started calling him the Big Cheese. I'm not sure if that actually happened. It did happen. I'll, 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 I'll put a link in the show notes. I kind of okay. trust him. All right, show, link in the show notes, folks. You can see it there. We're talking about cheese, folks. Not that the game is about cheese. Rather, the game that we're playing today is about mice. But first, what is what is it that you're listening to where you're actually getting not just board game information, but historical notes? Actual excerpts from the timeline. Well, I don't know which timeline we're in now. Of course, folks, you're listening to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look and examines and plays all the various board games out there that are a little weird, a little bizarre, and we break them down for you. We see what makes them work, what makes them not work. I'm your first co-host, one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Schungerberg, and with me here, as always, is... Garrett Lively, um, an avid, avid bad movie lover, and that was the plot synopsis of Samurai Cop. Um, okay, so it wasn't real. It, it, no, it was real. You're a liar. No, it was a biopic. <laughs> it's a, it's a true, it's a docu, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also with us is uh, Jeff Lee. If you're ever interested in figuring out the best way to kill mice, um, look up the Wheel of Death. <laughs> Wheel of Death. <laughs> yeah, you should look that up. I'll hang on. I actually don't know what you're talking about, but I'll look it up. Also right called now. the bucket Wheel, mouse trap, but Wheel of Death, uh, mouse. Am I gonna be like horrified? No, is no. Is this something that I would see? Is this gonna be a live link, a live leak video? <laughs> oh no. Okay, so uh, the first thing that shows up in uh, this video is uh, it's a bucket with like a Miller Light can strapped to it. And all these mice are just like swimming around in the uh, bottom of the bucket. Is that the wheel? Is yep. that the wheel of death? Yep. <laughs> Mousetrap knowledge is the name of the video. <laughs> this guy I'm teach you something. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get these rats out of my cabin. He's got camo on. He's in front of the cabin. This guy knows what he's talking. I was getting a lot of rats probably. If you need to well, put together. That was uh, yeah. That's a that's a there. It's a pretty 
despite the name, that's a pretty uh, pretty ethical way to uh, treat a rat problem. <laughs> just get all your rats in the bucket. I'm not sure what you're going to do with them afterwards. It might become not so ethical very quickly. But uh, you know what? The video is good, and uh, it's got a Miller Lite cam. Great product placement. Thanks for the tip, Jeff. Uh, guys, we're talking about mice. We're talking about cheese. And we're not playing the game Mousetrap. Can someone explain this to me, how we got here? How we got to this point in time? Yeah, I, I'm shocked on two fronts. One, that a Reiner Canizia game has made it onto the podcast before Mousetrap. And second, that we are playing a mouse-themed <laughs> game, and it's, again, not, not Mousetrap. So, you know, breaking all sorts of new ground here. It's, it's a twofer here on Roll and Move today. Mm-hmm. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, very, very, very exciting stuff here. I actually, uh, I'd never seen this game before. The game that we're playing is called, uh, what's it called? Is it, it's, it's Abandoned Ship. ship. Actually, a threefer. I'm surprised we are playing a sink shipping, a ship sinking game, rather. That's not it's Titanic. Not a Titanic, yeah. So, man, we this is this is breaking all sorts of norms here as far as the... I don't know. I mean, the, si- the size of this ship, Garrett, I think would make Titanic blush. I mean, <laughs> if you look at this board that you're on, it has like this nice little cartoon ship. And you know, the you got all your people up top and then you have sort of the triangle, upside down triangle that goes down into the water, you know, that your cruise ship is going on. It's meant for splitting icebergs, that sort of stuff. The metal portion of the ship going down into the water has to be... At least it's ninety percent of the ship, like the iceberg <laughs> mentality, there, right? Yeah, it is like there is no iceberg that this thing will stand up against, but there is no current of water that won't knock this thing over. There's no <laughs> way this ship floats. No way it floats. A slight breeze will get that thing toppling. Yeah, it is uh, quite, quite interesting to see. So, so this who who is responsible for this uh, this game here? Uh, as far as picking it out for the podcast, that was Jeff, which I'm I'm surprised by. Uh, it's a fourth new. <laughs> no, I picked the game before, but lots of groundbreaking stuff happening this episode. Uh, no, but this this so this is I, I kind of mentioned I'm surprised this is the Reiner Canencia game that that brought made it onto the podcast. I actually have a physical you know back when we were playing physical games on the podcast, I had a physical game of his that I had been waiting to play, and mm-hmm. you know it was a little more complicated to get a Canencia game um and play via via webcam so you know COVID's hit we've been playing stuff on on board game geek or i'm sorry on a tabletop simulator and it's just been a lot easier to do stuff digitally that way so i i actually have a game from him called um the motley fools which <laughs> some uh, hold on let me look this up it's the motley fool it basically is a late night infomercial that uh you know it's like a financial like book that you can read and and become wealthy overnight if you just read this book and follow you know five simple tips mm-hmm. um but they reach out to the greatest the most pro- prolific board game designer of all time and had him make a game um hold on let me see what it's called here the motley fools buy low sell high game <laughs> um, <laughs> so i i thought that was going to be on it but uh, I, I want to do a little exercise with you two real quick. Um, can you pull up the Abandoned Ship Board Game Geek page? Do you guys have that open? I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. All right, so if you scroll down, you see the artist, uh, or sorry, the designer. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. Reiner Knetzi. Right. Click that name. Yep. And then Got if it. you click Linked Games, up at the up at the up right below his profile picture there. Okay. Do you guys see how many items are listed in Board Game Geek as <clears throat> games he has designed? God, this is 617. This is yeah, 617. There's no way. 
there is way. <laughs> this this is an accurate count. Reiner Knizia releases a board game every second. Uh, basically, every time you blink, Reiner Knizia has just released a new board game. Here we are Not- struggling to put together one game every few years, <laughs> and this guy, for the three of us, and this guy is like wakes up in the morning, hmm, honey, yeah, I've got another game for- idea. Like this, that's that's actually quite amazing like how he's just how many different games he's turned out now are are the games very similar in play style when you're playing a ryan canincia game can you say wow is it sort of like auteur status i'm playing a ryan or canincia game or is he really just you know a force of nature he can churn out you know uh different mechanic games that just all work seamlessly um he kind of does it all yeah he he Sometimes he'll he'll uh, improve upon a previous game that he has released and, yeah, and basically release the same game. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was reading through the history of Abandoned Ship, and many people were comparing it to Little Italy. Little Italy being, I believe, Little Italy came out after Abandoned Ship. But basically, they they use the same dice drafting mechanics, which we'll talk mm. about later. Um, so very often, he will re-release a game. Um, the one common thread that you can trace through all Knizia games that I have found is a just a paper thin theme that's pasted on top of really solid <laughs> mechanics <laughs> so you could just absolutely make this the the mice theme and the sinking ship theme um just has nothing to do with what yeah we right I, I was actually thinking that the mice and the sinking ship thing the mice are probably an afterthought yeah. uh specifically because he probably was like what if there was a game based around like a sinking ship and people getting off of it that's a really dark you know if you're having people die you know as they're trying to escape a ship and like run for their lives you know it makes yeah but we'll make it mice and it'll be cute happy. yeah exactly yeah oh the mice died oh well that's it's pretty it's a little morbid but it's a you can make it work a little bit further than uh than you could if you you know in, in, in various board games and splat you're killing bugs so sometimes things have to die in board games so and that's okay. this is basically the same mechanically little italy and an abandoned ship i I'm going to read the overview of Abandoned Ship just to give the read, the listener a sense of what the theme is, and then I'm going to read the overview of the uh, the Little Italy game so we can just kind of compare. Um, so, so Little Italy is another board game designed by Ryan Kinnensky? Yes, mm-hmm. using the using the exact same mechanics. The, the, the oh, well, now world. I see how he gets his 614 games published. Yeah, okay. exactly. Go ahead. Exactly. So, okay, so Abandoned Ship. The SS Neversink is that's a uh, never sinks but novels never sinks is going down and who is always and who is always first off a sinking ship the rats abandoned ship is a game in which you play to remove your group of rats off the ship before the rising water drowns them the never sinks is also loaded with valuable points earning cheese but don't let desire for that lovely food send your rats to the watery depths your opponents may also share some of the rats in your group so that's the abandoned ship theme here's a little italy Travel back to New York's golden age of gangsters, where you get to take on the role of a crime boss in 1950s Little Italy. Make your rounds about town as you pick up money from different buildings, but watch out for the heat. Each crime boss each crime boss shares control of two cars, each with a different opponent. Drive through the streets, timing it right to collect money and avoid the police. So you have basically the exact same game. Either you're a mobster in Little Italy or you're a rat on a sinking ship. And Is the board game, because with the with the sinking ship, it's vertical, right? You're moving in a straight line vertical trying to get from the top to the bottom. Is it basically like a city building or a city block? Little, little Italy is a city block. It's a, it's a, I figured. 
Okay, I did not have that in front of me, folks. I just said yeah. if I was just gonna do a quick little. I'm uh, hoping like, that he just has a uh, like copy, um, text copy in some Word doc, and he just control finds <laughs> and he replaces whatever the noun rat with car or something like that, and just like, oh, here's another one. Yeah. <laughs> that is a shocking, like, because here's, like, I'm looking through this guy's games. I'm not surprised that like. Part of me wonders, like, was it a cash grab? Or two, if he just forgot. <laughs> like, he has I have a great idea. 14 games, and, like, I could easily see him, you know, uh, sort of losing track of what he's published. And, like, someone's like, dude, I love game XYZ. And he goes, XYZ. Did I? That, that's a great I game. I'm pretty sure. That. I really like the designer, if I remember. That's sort of like Stephen King. Stephen King doesn't even remember publishing Cujo. Like he's he's done so many so many things. Like given given at the time that he was working on Cujo, apparently he was on such a cocaine bender that he was like so high out of his mind. He wrote it the entire book, first draft done in a, like a month or two months, and he doesn't even remember writing. It was when he was really addicted. Uh, but I could easily see like this guy sort of being in a similar situation. Maybe not with the drugs, but it's just like yeah, I I don't. I don't remember that. Uh, hmm. Little Italy. Is it the one with the rats? <laughs> I'm looking no. through the list here, and it seems like most of them are pretty lightweight. Um, BG sc- uh, scores on, is it 1 to 5 or 1 to 10? Garrett, one do you remember? To, 1 to 5. 1, one to, to 5. Wait. Most of them are, are in the 1 to 1.5 range, so they're not super, super heavy. D- uh, did he ever create anything that's super in-depth that you know people should be aware of? or? Uh, yeah, he did the. I believe he did the Lord of the Rings, the like go to um, co op game. I, I think he did, which is is, is pretty heavy. Um, but you're you are correct. He mostly he did, does. He did the recent. Um, hang on, I had this sorted by rank here. Um, he did the Lost Cities. He did the Kingdoms games. He did. Uh, there were a couple of actually like really big games. He's at least. Oh yeah, no, he's he's done a. T- he is. I, I think if you look at the Mount Rushmore of Tigris and Euphrates, yeah, he is up there. Uh, <clears> but <throat> you are correct. Mostly, he will do these lighter, very mechanic-driven games. He, mm-hmm. he will explore mechanic and you know not put too much stressing on it. Right. Um, so when you you know you think of the if you boil down a Euro game, you you get Reiner Knizia once you've uh, you let it reduce down to its you know most tasty flavor. So you say that he is on the Mount Rushmore of board games. Who is that other gentleman who did uh, the Rampage game? Uh, there's There was another designer I remember you telling me about who sort of, he's known for having like the biggest slugger rating as <laughs> when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to games. And I, I kind of like those guys. I have a big soft spot in my heart for f- folks who have a big slugger rating because they go up and they swing as hard as they can. It's either a home run or, <laughs> or they're striking out. Um, I remember you told me a couple of designers mm-hmm. along those lines. Would you say that that was Reiner Antoine Kinesi- Bowser, by the way? Yeah, um, and he does he does have a high slugger rating. Uh, sorry, what was your question? Would you would you say that Reiner Kinesi is more of a slugger rating kind of guy, or is he more of like a, every time he gets up, he's going to hit a double or a single? <laughs> he's a, he's the guy that stri- he's the guy that has the most home runs, but also the most strikeouts. You know that yeah. uh, he's he's swinging every single time. Boomer bust. So a slugger yeah. rating. So a big slugger mm-hmm. rating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, no, actually, uh, he, I mean, I think of his games, you know, Jeff kind of hit the nail on the head. He's going to generally tend towards the lighter games and um, they're all mechanically very, very sound. Obviously with, you know, 600 games under your belt, you're going to start 
have a little bit of refinement in your craft and 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 be pretty pretty focused on what you're doing um but yeah no i I think you know you you hear you know the four greatest board game designers of all time very very often you're going to hear reiner canizia's name come up you'll hear you know gary gygax you'll hear um antoine bowser sometimes although i think you know, almost on everybody's list. Is, Do you feel like there's a changing of the guard too? I mean, obviously there's this, you know, big push for new independent designers such as not, I won't put ourselves there, but obviously people <laughs> like Jamie um, and, and other people that have, you know, come back and, made some pretty incredible games of recent um do you feel like there's a pretty big change of guard or do you think these people are still i don't think there's been a changing of the guard yet no yeah. no i mean Canizia's still putting out putting out games that got are it very very popular um and you know you, you think of these other independent designers they may get there someday but they've got you know five games in the right world or something yeah. like that but, yeah um you know i, I think Probably if uh, Rob Davio and Matt Leacock keep on the trajectory that they're they're on, but you know who knows. Um, well, there's 600 versions of Pandemic already, so <laughs> yeah. But but you know, with with Matt Leacock, you think you know it's like like we've talked about on previous podcasts. It's all almost always a different version of the same game. Mm-hmm. And while Reiner Knizia does that, he's also expanded. You know, he, he's he's usually known for a lot of uh, auction or type games. Um, we did a dice drafting game today. Yeah. Dice, dice rolling dice drafting game. He's done cooperative. He did the Lord of the Rings game. So he's been all over the place as far as, you know, he, he's expanded into kind of every category. Okay. So let's focus in then on this game that we got to play. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that sort of like probably pulled you into it, Jeff, is like, oh, maybe this would be a suitable game for the podcast is the art is a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's a little bit like, <laughs> cartoony. You see what I did there? Yeah. I do. Um, and I, I, I was, uh, I didn't have, I one look at the board, I actually didn't have too high of hopes for this game when we uh, first started off. Yeah, I, like, I okay. think I picked it off, picked it up because it's just, honestly, as we've kind of alluded to, it's a ship. Um, it's got a bunch of lines on it um, for levels. I think there's 36 or 38 levels, uh, some rat meeples, which is pretty incredible that they make rat meeples, and then a bunch of dice. <laughs> and I was like, this will be a game that we can play on the show. So um, that's what drew me in. So you can co- sort of consider that your uh, what's in the box. That's really it. It's a very simple game. Uh, just with the meeples, your dice, and then your, uh, you know, your mat that has like the ship, and then you got a couple of little cheese tokens that you can get for extra points if you land on the, on the right spot on this big ladder that you're climbing up the ship. Uh, anyways, so why don't we go over the the rules here? Uh, who wants to who wants to take uh, lead driver's seat, or should I say the captain's chair? <laughs> Man, the, the ship. Jeff. Man, the ship on. Yeah, I can I want, do it. I want um, Jeff to do it since I found the game. I guess uh, so. Yeah, the big, the big thing is you start with, um, I think, seven rats uh, at the bottom of the ship. The idea is to race to get to the top. Uh, as you go, uh, you're rolling dice. Um, each dice um, is representative of a, of a different rat, um, and they have moves like go forward x spaces, go back, um, maybe you go back towards the last rat, go forward towards the next rat, etc. Some of them are wild. Um, and then, uh, as we alluded to earlier, you each have a player token and there's three colors on the player token, uh, which represent the rats that you have interest in and that you'll uh, base your final score upon. So, uh, very likely you'll share some, uh, the same color rats with other players. So sometimes you might be helping uh, one another out. Um, and in other cases you might be hurting each other. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, at the end of the game, um, you score by uh, the total number of points you get from where you place and also the uh, amount of cheese that you get, which you can collect along the way at certain levels of the game. Um, uh, one more mechanic to mention is that uh, while you're rolling uh, the dice, every time you pick a certain rat, typically you'll remove that dice unless there's special rules. Uh, and at the end of the round, uh, you will raise the water level, which will ca catch the uh, the rat in last place, uh, and it'll remove that rat from the game. Did I miss anything? No, I think I think it pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Cool. Yeah. Um, the only uh, did you mention the uh, the interesting way the that they sort of determine the rats that you control, right? Hidden information. Yep. Did you mention the pogs? Yep. Awesome. I mentioned that. Yeah. There's a again. There's a player token. You've got three colors on it. Um, that's hidden information. So a lot of times you will be sharing. Uh, you know, you 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 may be all coordinating on a specific rat right and i i actually really like that i there was there's probably many designers out there who would be very content to leave this as a because you know it's cute cartoon rats the game is probably more directed towards children right a kid's probably gonna be mm -hmm. grabbing this off the shelf at target more than anybody else there's plenty of designers that probably would have said it doesn't matter let's just have you you control who you control it's public open information and it's just a race to the top uh, but the hidden information actually, it makes the game a little bit more interesting. Yeah, Just that's that a good tiny layer. Tiny little tweak of trying to figure out, well, who's, who's Garrett trying to control? Because I want to try and screw him over. But there's also a chance that there could be a rat that nobody cares about. Uh, th there were just very, very. This is a good example of a game for me that. There's very, very tiny changes and choices that were made in the mechanics to do just one thing slightly different, and it made all the difference during the game. Yeah, uh, we, we can we can like directly compare this to the game we played last time, the high roller horse racing, where mm -hmm. you you know you have three, two, three horses that you're in control of, um, and it's basically the same. You want to mm -hmm. get out and you want to do a little risk reward analysis, and you know place across the finish line and, and that one you wanted to be first and this one you don't necessarily want to be first but you know right. it, it's almost it's almost exactly the same you're rolling dice weighing the risk reward benefits and then uh moving moving your mice up but in this one just the little tweak of you may share a mice with somebody you may share a mouse with somebody and you control three and it is hidden information uh, really changes those dynamics. Yeah, and and the the thing that I also love about it is the uh, because you say that you might not necessarily want to be first, and that's that's absolutely true. It gives multiple uses to the mechanic that would normally in any other game this would just be a gotcha mechanic. The anchors, right, yeah. mm -hmm. where you get to take a mouse and you bring it back to the uh, to the next mouse behind you. It, yeah, yeah, the next mouse behind it. And early game, it is primarily used as a gotcha mechanic. But by the late game, because you're sort of jockeying for, I don't want to be the first one to cross the finish line because I won't get any points. I got to be number two. The mechanic shifts in the second half of the game where you're trying to not go over. It goes from a gotcha mechanic to a, something that is going to actually help you win. And you're using it on the mice that you control. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool thing that sort of, I, I have not seen a mechanic where the mechanic stays the same, but the intention of its use sort of transforms throughout the game. Uh, and I'm sure that there, there are examples of this. You know, I'm just not probably thinking of them in the moment. But I, I thought that this one was a very, very 
on the nose right there right in front of you example of the how a mechanic can shift purpose at certain points in the game yeah um to to almost the polar opposite i think is what made it made it so dramatic is it's something that you don't want happening to you to something that you do want happening to you versus sort of like a just sort of a a parallel transformation where it has a slightly different purpose it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum yeah and you can also i mean even you take it a step further you can kind of use it as a bluffing mechanism where you're trying to convince i think jeff said at one point he was trying to make people think that he didn't have one so he attempted a move that made it look negative yeah 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 so you you can kind of use it as a bluffing so they had that hidden information and then the ability to have a little bit of agency over what each mouse is doing is 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 super cool i really like the idea of the dice drafting so again um the idea is that you roll the dice and you get to pick whatever color that you want to use and most of the time that dice gets removed from the game that really blocks out some other people and what they're trying to do so for example there might be, um, I might make a roll and maybe my mouse, my mice is ahead. And there might be a mouse that I want to actually be in the, in the tail end so that they get washed away um, with the, the rising waves. Um, and maybe I'll actually play that mouse instead. So even though I'm not, I don't have to, I'm not trying to get that mouse to win. I'm, I'm trying to lock out that dice so that they can't, um, you know, proceed that mouse any for, further. Uh, and, the, and then the water is going to reach that mouse. So there's some strategic things that you can do. Um, knowing that the resources are limited and the moves are limited um, and that you can block people out from doing other things. Right. And, and uh, just Garrett, for the record, what would you say about this, uh, this rule book here? Would you get to say this gets a big thumbs up or uh, what would you say? No, I, I think, and I, you know, was conferring just to make sure we weren't the only ones, but it, you know, it seems there's a, a, a it's poorly written. Maybe I think um, there are statements that are, well, you can say, yeah, the answer is in the rule books. It, it's kind of hard to find. Um, so, for example, the the description of play says, at the beginning of your turn, roll all the dice in the current dice pool, choose one of the dice, and move a rat according to the following tables. And then they have this kind of table that you have to go through and read each dice movement. And then after that, it says, at the end of your turn, pass the remaining dice from the dice pool to the next player. Now this player takes his turn, removing the die he uses from the pool. But they fail to mention that, again, you should be rolling those those dice you don't yeah you don't once yeah, you receive the one. new so it, yeah. it, it's just you know the rule is there but you have to like kind of go back and read it and there was a I, mean, I was looking through the forums online and a lot of people had issues with this because um if a dice has an x on it then you don't remove it from the pool so everybody was like well i have two dice with x on it so we're never going to get to the end of a round because those two dice are always going to always going to be around remain uh, yeah stick around but but you are supposed to re-roll them so there's a lot of confusion around that um and i think also there's there's a few typos excuse me we're actually supposed to start on space 10 instead of space one so which actually would have changed the dynamics of the game quite a bit i think in the early game um and then (laughs) the the last thing i'd like to point out is i think uh the explanation of why you don't want to be first uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't there's no reason why <laughs> well no it's uh when the first rat reaches the top deck or beyond it gets lost among the panicking passengers place this rat onto the scoring space with an x uh, <laughs> a single sentence dumb. thematic description of yeah look here's why you don't want to be the first person in the life jack in the, in the lifeboat you're gonna be but lost. doesn't it in the, in the earlier part of the game doesn't it say the first one to flee the ship is the rats you know it's like right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? You're kind of going against your own, you know, what you're telling us earlier in the uh, the thema- more thematic part of the rule book and the little introduction there. So it is, 
it is very much the way that it is played in the game because they know that it's going to create a little bit more of an interesting yeah. uh, dynamic right. with the mechanics. But uh, yeah, you're right when you say, I believe you said, Garrett, that this was paper thin theming. Yes. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, and, and I think that's common with this game. Uh, so overall, in the rule book, I'd give it a, huh. But I think <laughs> for the most part, you know, his, the the rules themselves are, are tight. And like it all comes together, and you know, it, you know, if you actually know the rules and you, you know, you have it all memorized, it, it's all tight and it's all super simple and it's streamlined and it's super easy to play. Uh, the rules themselves, you know, he, you know, he's a, I believe, he does speak English, but I, I think he's German born, so I, I, you know, I don't think English is his first language. I'm sure this was translated, so you know, you're gonna have that sometimes. But I think what bothers me is that. Um... Like you would look at the rule book and it's really just a rule sheet, right? It's two pages and you think, oh, this is probably condensed. But I feel like he could have made a couple tweaks and it would have been really, really succinct and we wouldn't have right. had any confusion. So it's not like, you know, it, it's not like there wasn't enough space for him to describe the rules. It's just that with the space he used, he could have done a little bit better of a job. I don't know. Like Again, it's nitpicky. Um, and I think we ended up getting it. But yeah, there's just some small things that got lost in, in translation maybe. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun to play through. I thought that, um, and it was quick too. It yeah. was not long. It was not bogged down. Even though we started in on the wrong space, it really didn't add too much length to the game, which I, I was very appreciative for. Um, and it, it feels like, like just the way that the game's set up, you are going to have dead mice just because you can't, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't juggle your attention on all of them. So, inevitably you're going to have like people sort of dropping out and people trying to hide their disappointment when they're uh when they're moused i think i got lucky because two of my mice were shared by either of you so i I didn't have to worry too much about the rest um Mm -hmm. and yeah like you just kind of sometimes there is luck of the draw and you can kind of figure out who's on your team and who's helping you or whatever and I, i will also mention that um you know at first i was trying to hide which mouse i was which uh, like trying to progress and move forward. Um, but then at the end, there's only so many mice left. So there, it's really easy to figure out like who's like, which mice you're interested in towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, I, well, Jeff, you say that we were all sharing two mice, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, you know, statistically that's probably going to happen in a three player game. Right. Uh, there are, mm-hmm. uh, what, six, how many, seven, seven different colored mice. Is that right? Uh, yep. yep. And you have and three it's... unique colors. So yeah. Like a- right so yeah so they're each going to pop up three times across the thing um so yeah i mean it, it's you're going to share a mouse, mouse with somebody especially in a three-player game um which i think three is the minimum play count and what what i do think is interesting is so that it, that that is balanced as far as you know who may get a color of mouse you know that's all going to be the same statistically but the the dice are all very different which i think is interesting mm-hmm. and I, I would be interested in exploring those you know the purple die has a lot of x's on it the green I think has a couple X's. The white one is, you know, super wild and super crazy. And I think like some don't like some allow multiple colors to move and some don't allow any but their own to move. So it would be interesting to kind of explore how those how how they balanced. Yeah, I think I think in general it's pretty balanced because it wouldn't be balanced if you can only move your own mice in your own colors. But I think because you can choose, as I mentioned earlier, you can choose to like fast track one mouse to the end so that they won't get any points. Um or and th- there's a bunch of wild dice that you can use, or you can use dice to block people out. I think there's usually enough choice in every round. There was a couple times where it was kind of an un- unlucky roll where you'd roll three anchors and the an- all three anchors wouldn't have really done much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, it felt like the the turns were purposeful and um, that you were actually doing something, even if even if it wasn't for your specific mouse. So mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Um, I think the fact that it's like you have these three horses in the race, if you will, but you're not necessarily have to or only confined to moving those three horses is like a really really powerful tweak in the mechanics that um that makes it not feel like you're i'm always concerned about play engagement and like if you always feel like you're blocked out of winning mm-hmm. and you don't really care about what you're doing but you you always have agency over any piece so i think that's a really cool part of the game if you guys were going to sort of fill in the blanks as far as the uh, thematic stuff in the game is concerned uh why is there cheese <laughs> I, was, on, I, I wanted to <laughs> talk about that too yeah i don't know that's a i mean little crumbs that you get distracted as you're trying to escape a rat has always got to go for food um yeah i don't know that's a that's a great question i think i think more interesting is the kind of decision to include that cheese as a as a little enticement for the player that that is almost more thematic as as the i, I don't know the meta of the game as opposed to the theming of the game um but it, it is a little entice, a little enticement to stop by. I was counting through, so there's two, there's there's five different cheese spots. Two of them are worth two points, and three of them are worth one point. And they're randomized, so you don't know which one you're getting if you land on them. Um, so what? That's seven, seven potential points. Mm-hmm. Oh, is uh, there, uh, is there cheat? Was there points on the back of the cheese cards? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even check mine. Yeah, you, oh. you you got you got well, you got the two ones, so you counted them right. Oh, okay, okay, I got it right. Yeah, but. It's it's interesting. So you can potentially get seven points from the cheese. You can get uh, five, three, and two points from the getting to the top of the ship and second, third, and fourth, respectively. So there's you know ten points for getting your mice to the top, and there's seven points at at large for the cheese. So kind of interesting little mechanism there that I, I'd be interested to explore more. But you know you th- you would think that that cheese is going to be pretty evenly split. It'd be interesting to see how how often that comes down to be the the tiebreaker. Or, or what causes somebody to win. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was super like impact like it's all it's along the way, right? I think usually when they have these kind of nuggets, you have them go out of the way. People go out of the way to grab them. I think of um has anyone played the racing game Jamaica? You're like a ship racing around the island. Yeah, yeah. You and might, and you might have, have to go off path. A little area. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Go off path to like potentially be the first one to get the treasure and you have to land on a, on that space exactly to get it, but it could be really impactful. Um, for future, you know, the future, future turns or future rounds. So like in this case, it doesn't feel like that. You're not like you get them if they're convenient, but it, it never feels like I ha- I go out of my way to get the cheese. Cause again, they're only like one or two points. So, um, I think that would have been really neat, but again, it's a very, it's a completely linear board. So there's not much you can really do with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes serendipitously you can just move, you can move your mouse right. and land on the cheese and there you go. You got it. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Yes, very good. A very interesting game. Well, it seems like all of us have had nothing but generally, for the most part, positive things to say about it. A little detractions in the rule book here. Um, but let's go ahead and check out uh, check out if the internets think that uh, this is more of a strikeout or a home run <laughs> to call back a uh, an earlier uh, an earlier simile yeah more like the sludgery yeah definitely simile definitely proper literary element there. <laughs> uh what do we got here guys uh there's someone here doing our job for us so there's this guy <clears throat> uh from orlando his name is dizzy 88 he gave it a five but he scored it individually gameplay six component seven art theme five replayability two so his end score is a five thanks dizzy for doing our job 
Interesting. Why does he think the replayability is so low? Do you think? I. It's so quick. I don't. I for me, I'm not even. I'm not exactly sure. Like how anything with a replayability below, like or with a time where the game takes less than. You, if you now that you know the rules, you could probably play through this between like ten to. 15 yeah, maybe minutes. he thinks it's because it's not like novel every time it's you play. But I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I have a really interesting breakdown here. So there are 1,018 reviews of this game on Board Game mm-hmm. Geek. How many would you guess are tens? Maybe one. Th- there's a thousand of yeah, them. I'd say, I'd say maybe there's ten percent. Hundred. Yeah, hundred of tens? them. Yeah, hundred. Right, there's seven tens. How many wow. would you guess are ones? Hmm. Well, I should hope around seven. I'd like a nice bell curve close there's one one there's only one one on this game wow. which is that's is, incredible is for a thousand yeah yeah uh the person that left a one did not leave a review sadly however there are only five twos and the person he just hates the, mice or maybe like the, <laughs> the movie type no, he's he's an elephant his, an his review, elephant his review is good it just says did not enjoy this at all and it's supposed to be good <laughs> and it's supposed to be good but it's not because i'm a little say disappointed it's not. worst me. thing about it is that people told me i would enjoy it and i didn't <laughs> I was lied to. Um, yeah, uh, but, but mostly you scroll through here. You see a lot of people talking about, well, if you like Knizia doing, you know, racing games, you'll like this. Or if you like Little Italy, you like this. So, um, you know, a lot of people commenting on how the theme is, is you know, there. Or is it? I don't know. I'm, um, I'm really confused because I don't know if this guy got a different version. Uh, but this guy, his name is Mayaheen, and he gave it a seven and a half. He said, a clever combination of betting and push your luck. And that part I'm already confused about. And he says, betting. move the penguins you're betting on far enough that they can win, <laughs> but not so much that you give away who your preferences are. So again, I'm hearing things that relate to abandoned ship, but aren't, aren't abandoned ship. And he said, <laughs> lastly, also, don't jump off the ship first or the polar bears will get you. <laughs> so I, I have, he I must have, have reviewed similar. the wrong game, wrong uh, Ryan Arknesia game. Yeah, and, and uh, but... It's just so now I know that there's another one. You, you mentioned that there's a mob boss one or whatever. Apparently, there's I a penguin polar bear one. It's too. different in every country. I have one from Poland, and it says, "Nice to play once during the family afternoon or with a few with a few friends. You're tri- uh, you are tired to when you're too tired to explain rules. Here, you just need to know who's your knight and then roll the dice. There's one where you play a knight, and there's a dragon. Huh. <laughs> so. Really, what's going on here is it seems like there's a different theme for every single version of the game, or like in different countries. Ah, okay. So somebody rated there and put put in here. Polish version is called Nogi Zapas or whatever. And if you Google it, that I think that's the dragon version. Um, Interesting. So, well, that's how Ryan Knizia got to. Uh, 614 games is no, I, so I wonder the, these if are they're all, all listed under one game though yeah oh, they are yeah so i think i think it's the publisher has a little bit of say it's like he he sells them the design and then they'll you know throw on the rat racing but it's strange that people found this this one and decided to comment on here right that's that's independent of the publisher it's just a review they all link to the same yeah thing i think they all oh okay show, i see got it oh well then that is still very He's, yeah, no, he, he, which means he's made more games. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, If you count all the variants, then he's made more than 600 something games, which is crazy. I wonder if he has to oversee the, uh, the skinning of each one for the region because I'm, I'm willing to bet that, like, yeah, Abandoned Ship is probably the one in America. He's probably got, like, 
they probably do a little bit of research for each uh, geographic region, and they say, okay, what are the more, what are some of the more popular cultural elements or uh, you know stories that this area likes to consume? And like Poland apparently was dragons, yeah. and then colder areas are like, yeah, they like polar bears here in Finland, and then in the U.S. we like rats. Yeah, we're like rats. Yeah, I was reading through an interview with him, and he says, uh, <laughs> they ask him, Will you, what's your favorite of your 600-plus games? And he says, that's like asking me to choose a favorite child when I look back at the games I've designed. I always see the excitement, the new features, what I liked about them at the time, but I hardly have time to play my older games now. And then they said, well, what other games of other designers do you like? And he said, I don't really have time to play other designers. <laughs> <laughs> He's just in his own world, man. Yeah, he just enjoys his own art. Wrong. What's wrong with that? Wrong. It's like Thomas Kincaid. You guys know who Thomas Kincaid is? He's like the yeah. artist, painting artist. He's got like art in pretty much every hotel has like a fake copy of his painting or whatever. But yeah. it's like he paints the same scene but a million times, and he's famous. And that's all he does. He just paints these cottage scenes in the woods. It's kind of got this misty, like dreary-eyed view of it. But that's all he does. Yeah, he, taught, he taught Bob Ross all he knows. That's what I hear. <laughs> Tommy, all I know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, so we so we got a nice little view of what the internet thinks of this game, but I think it's time to throw to us now. I think it's time for us to give us the true, uh, definitive rating for uh, for this game. Uh, I a part of me likes, part of me does not like the uh, the art. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Uh, I just I feel like I see this style a lot. And maybe it is very much a time of the era, very that goofy sort of cartoon Sunday comic strip sort of style that uh i i looks to me like most of the rats are done with um and a lot of the art in the game is sort of done in that style it doesn't really do anything for me where really this thing shines as you could have probably have guessed is in the mechanics i was a big fan of the the way that like things shift from the beginning of the game to the end of the game with the same mechanic and how it goes from a negative to a positive uh, with the anchors pulling other mice backs and putting them putting them behind other mice. Uh, I thought there's a lot of really interesting things in the way that things sort of balance together. It's no surprise that this has sort of been repackaged and reskinned to uh, different areas. Now, for me, I am more of sort of a... I would like to see a game that had a little bit more thought into trying to incorporate the theme into the game. Does it need it? No. Would it be nice to have? Yes. So that would probably detract some points for me. Also, the rule book was a little bit, little bit hard to understand. I'm gonna give this a five point five out of uh, ten. Five point five. Uh, pretty much echoed. I think. Um, I have a few Kinetti games, and you know, usually, you know, it's it's all the same. You you've got these, like I said, these Euro mechanisms kind of boiled down in their purest essence, and you know, it sometimes it's something a little bit refreshing to not have to worry about you know, the theme or like remembering your character name or, or trying to play in character, you can just mm-hmm. sit down and kind of mindlessly do this thing and, and uh, play through a game. So, you know, I, I think there are merits to it. it it's not something I'd, I'd want to play all the time. And I think this is kind of on the, even for him on the lighter end of the spectrum, as far as, you know, the, the type of game you can pull out and play with, you know, your, your cousins that are 10, 10, 15 years younger than you, you can just pull it out and teach them a little game. Good way to go about that. Uh, I agree. The arts kind of, I'm never really like appealed. It's never really like that appealing to me to be a mouse or a rat or <laughs> no, you don't dream about it every day when you're yeah, a kid and, and then you always pretend like you're an animal. You never picked rat. Yeah. I'm going to no. be a rat. That's always kind of lame. And then I also have a distinct problem with the, uh, 
the what we 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 deem the Mario Kart paradox mm-hmm. or the problem, the Mario Kart right. conundrum rather. Yeah. And that's you. You just don't want to be in first place, and which makes me mad because if I'm really good at something and I'm dominating, and it punishes me for being good, I don't need a great equalizer. I need you guys to get on my level, practice harder, and be better. Um, so I'm going to deduct a couple points. Well, you that, have I gold think, coins but... in Mario Kart. It gives you a little bit of a speed boost. <laughs> a little speed boost. It's the worst. Um, but I'm the only target of the blue shell. I- I'm going to give this game a six point five. Nice. Um, yeah, I think uh, you guys obviously echoed a lot of sentiments. To me, the favorite parts of the game that I really enjoyed were the player uh, hidden player tokens that we shared mice. That was really, really cool. Um, I like the idea of um, driving towards a conclusion one way or the other. So between the rising water levels and uh, the fact that you're you know racing towards the end here and mice are getting eliminated, I like that it causes you to not pause and just keep playing the game and moving it towards the end. Sometimes you like there's gotcha games that just take like take forever. And they don't really reward you for finishing. So I like that this game was quick and snappy. Um, I really enjoyed the you know the dice uh, drafting mechanic where you got to pick and lock out different dice and use them for your own sake, or in some cases get to reuse them again. Um, and I, and I agree with you guys on the art. I think like it could you could have reskinned this in a number of different ways. Sounds like it was reskinned in a number of different ways, and it would have been essentially the same game um, with you know just a, a little bit different of flavor text. So. Um, when we started the episode, I had a number in mind and I'm going to stick with that number and that's 5.5. You know how people do like challenges on video games and like, like Twitch, they like try to like beat Resident Evil without using a gun or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think we could drown all the mice in this game? Just like. (laughs) Oh, easily. Easily. Absolutely. Like just keep using anchors on them and just like, nope. You can, you, you can, and I'll, and I'll drown mouse run. Because in the well, in the rules it says if there was only two mice left, then the game ends, and they just share the top spot, which is technically the X. So, like, <laughs> you could hypothetically <laughs> score zero points. You collected any twos? Yeah, um, you could hypothetically score zero points, but I think they anticipate that there is a scenario where most of the mice are dead. Yeah, when those floating. The rules. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad they've. Uh, I'm glad they've thought about the possibility of me trying to kill all the mice as uh, if somebody if you get my mice out early i'm just gonna try and sink everybody yep, exactly that's probably I mean, it's maybe a legitimate strategy with like seven players anyway yeah, yeah. good stuff just everyone's everyone everything burns or rather <laughs> everything drowns uh very cool very cool so what is our our average here garrett did we uh crunch those numbers uh out? i was totally looking at a picture of ryan canizia jeff what was your number sorry uh, there's two five and a halves and a six and a half Five and a half and a six and a half, bringing the Rough Draft Boys average to 5.83. The Board Game Geek average has this at a 6.3. So we are uh, really close. Really close. It's because nobody's nuking either set of reviews with ones. Nobody's uh, popping in here and uh, killing it You don't have the person who's... I'm shocked at the people who go to Board Game Geek who love to go... Yeah, I thought this was too high, so I gave it a one just to balance it (laughs) out. Just to even it out. I I need to be the great equalizer. I think this yeah. game came out before the hype hype train on board games was uh was really rolling. I mean, this came back out out sorry this came out back in two thousand eight, so it's ah uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, little, a little easier to to get a true view of what the I think two thousand eight was was the birth of the troll, you know. So it was around <laughs> yeah, the time that trolls became a thing, at least the internet ones. <laughs> yep. Now that now the internet is ruined, but hey, you have us to help you pick up the pieces, folks. You have us to still help you get through your day, regardless of trolls or board games or reviews out there. So you can just come in and hang out with us every single week, just like you always do. And if you want to uh, 
If you want to hear about Ryan Canencia's 615th board game that he's probably come out by now, uh, or come out with, you know, at this point, you know, in the time that you have sat down and listened to this podcast, you can you he's can talk to three, us yeah. about it. He's released three. Are he's we up to six eighteen now? Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. Gosh. The absolute madman. Releases one while we're recording the episode. <laughs> yep. If uh, if you would like to chat with us about that, you can hit us up on Twitter at Rough Draft Games. If you have any game suggestions of anything you'd like us to play, we will play it. Just send us an email, roughdraftgames at gmail.com. We're looking for rolling rights, rolling moves, anything you can get on Board Game Geek, anything that's easy to play over webcam. We would love to hear those suggestions. Really get to know what you guys want us to play. And lastly, if you're check, if you're interested in checking out our uh, game variant of All Rise, Fall Pies, where we talk about... Uh, <laughs> when we discuss pies, uh, we talk about different. We have different ingredient cards. There are recipe orders, uh, aka case cards. There are different types of people. No, I'm kidding. So the idea <laughs> is that you can come over right down to the website, check out all the other stuff that we're working on, um, other episodes of Roll and Move, uh, check out our actual game All Rise, which you can check out on Backerkit. Um, yeah, and uh, come give us a shout out. Yeah, I believe is is our. Let me, is it roughdraftgames.com slash allrez? Does that lead them to... Uh, yeah, you can... you can. That'll lead you to the allrez campaign. Nicely, <laughs> nice nice derailment there, Garrett. Uh, if I was a mouse, I'd try to crawl away from you as quickly as possible. i just jump off. Uh, and, and lastly but not least, folks, we would like to go ahead and thank those of you who have gone to iTunes and given us five stars for the podcast. It helps other people find the, sh- find the show. It makes us makes us really happy makes us warm inside and we just want to thank those of you who have it if you haven't done it please do it helps us expand the community and it helps other people learn more about the other games that we create like all rise but anyways guys we thank you for uh hanging out with us today and until next time we will see you again